0: The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Andrew Martin. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ the King. I have the privilege of serving as our pastor for youth ministry And it's my privilege to welcome you uh, to worship together this morning. It is good to be here together with you. And I'd invite you now to please uh, open your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 13. And as we look at Matthew chapter 13, we're going to be continuing our series on Jesus' kingdom parables. And we're going to do this by looking at two parables uh, that are taught by Jesus only in the gospel of Matthew. So uh, please follow along with me as I read Matthew chapter 13. And we'll be reading, beginning in verse 44. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you uh, that you do give us your word, that you, out of your loving kindness, show us what your kingdom is like. And so, Father, as you teach us today through your word, we pray that you would help us to believe the things that we hear and that you would take these truths and press them deeply into our hearts, that it would shape the way that we live our lives as we lean on your grace for all things. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, in uh, the year 2010, a bona fide, no kidding treasure hunt kicked off here in the United States. It all began that same year when a millionaire who lived in the state of New Mexico by the name of Forrest Finn published his memoirs. And in these memoirs, he included a very cryptic poem that revealed how he had hidden a treasure of great value somewhere between New Mexico And the Canadian border. Well, in 2020, 10 years later, uh, Finn Forrest came out, or Forrest Finn came out and and revealed that that treasure had indeed been discovered, that the chest he had hidden in the Rocky Mountains, that contained over $1 million worth of gold coins and jewels and uh, other precious artifacts, had indeed been found. Now, this little trailer, as it were, is enough to, to grip the imagination. Uh, but the story of that 10-year treasure hunt that took, pe- took place between when he hid the treasure and when he discovered it, it truly is the stuff of a Hollywood movie. You see, uh, Forrest Finn estimated that approximately 350,000 treasure hunters had gone in search of this chest that he had hidden somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. A number of these hunters actually quit their day jobs so that they could pursue this treasure full-time. One searcher uh, spent thousands of dollars on the quest and actually filed a lawsuit against another treasure hunter because they alleged that this person had hacked into their personal email account to mine data that would help them discover the whereabouts of this chest. And the, the person who actually ended up finding the treasure moved their home they moved into a another building with multiple layers of security with with guards and remained anonymous initially because they were afraid of the threats or even the kidnappings that they might that they might face now i imagine that if we were to watch this as a film it might come out as a film i don't know um but if we were to to hear this story many of us might grip our chairs with anticipation as it unfolds right I also imagine, though, that as we gripped our chairs, we might also simultaneously sort of, like, shake our heads in disbelief, thinking, you know, as, as enchanting as going off looking for a million dollars worth of treasure might be, I'm not convinced that that is worth the sacrifice of a full-time job. Now, regardless of, of your assessment of the decision these treasure hunters made, this process of discerning worth and sacrifice It's something that we actually do every single day in our lives. Now, granted, we're not typically discerning, hey, is it worth the sacrifice of going out and, and, and seeking buried treasure? That's usually not the level we're dealing with. But to be wise and responsible citizens in this world, we have to discern worth and sacrifice in all kinds of ways. What job are we going to pursue? What are the sacrifices that it will entail? And is it worth those sacrifices? How are we going to spend our time? What are the commitments that we're going to say yes to? And what are the commitments we're going to say no to? This process of discerning worth and sacrifice is something we do every single day. And this morning, Jesus actually invites us into the most important process of discernment that we will ever participate in. And he invites us into this process by telling us these two stories. And they begin in verse 44. Follow along with me again as we look there. In verse 44, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like. With those two simple words, is like. Jesus tells us, I want you to see something about my kingdom. And what is it he wants us to see? He goes on, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. He says, the kingdom of heaven is it's a treasure It's valuable, it's it's precious. But just how precious is it? How worthy is the kingdom of heaven? Jesus goes on to say, it's like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Jesus has drawn us into this process of discerning what is Jesus and his kingdom worth? And what he wants us to see is that his kingdom is worth everything that we have. Now, I do want us, before we continue, to pause just for a moment because there's, there's something that I imagine is probably on all of our minds. I know it was on my mind when I talked with my wife as I was preparing the sermon. It was on her mind, and it was also on the minds of every commentator <laughs> Uh, that I read in preparation for this story, some of us are probably questioning the man in this story and his honesty. I mean, let's let's be real here. He goes, he finds this treasure, and then he covers it up before going and buying this field. And we might be sitting here thinking, like, what? Was there, like, some kind of shady business going on here? Like, was this business deal, like, really above board? And, uh, and this is a valid question, and what I think is helpful here, and this is something I actually learned just this week as I was studying, uh, what I learned I think will help us a little bit as we sort of explore just for a moment the customs and laws of the ancient world. So in the days of Jesus' ministry, they did not have things like banks or safety uh, or security deposit boxes, things like that that we use to store what's valuable to us, or online encrypted clouds, things like that. Uh, so, what people would often do is if, if trouble came to the land, such as war or some other hardship, people would take what was valuable to them, they would go, they would, they would bury it, they would hide it to keep it safe, and then they would flee to safety. With the hope that one day that the war or the other trouble would pass and they'd be able to return and, and, and repossess the treasure that they had hidden. Now, this is a very real world That we live in and oftentimes the people doing this they might not survive or they just might simply never return and so in those cases the law in the in the time of of jesus and his ministry stipulated that if you were to go and discover this hidden treasure it was yours i mean it's very literally finders keepers except in a good way (laughs) now but that still leaves us with the question with like well why why would you need feel the need to to bury it again before going and buying the field? Why would you feel the need to even buy the field? Well, as you all know, today legal matters can be very complex, be very complicated. We can get embroiled in all kinds of battles. And what this helped to do was put this treasure that already belonged to them, it helped put it beyond any shadow of a doubt that by buying this field, it truly did belong to them. Now, I imagine there's still more more questions. I imagine this is something that if you were like studying for the, for the bar or writing some kind of a dissertation, you could get hundreds of pages out of this question. It's a valid question. I feel like uh, these things actually hold a lot of merit. And what I want us to not get distracted by is the fact that this actually is not Jesus' main point. It is a good question. It's a valid one. And what Jesus is talking about here is not so much the laws of property rights, in the angel world, what he's talking about is the kingdom. He's talking about his kingdom and what that kingdom is worth. And he, what he wants us to see is that the kingdom of heaven is a treasure so valuable that it would be worth selling everything that you had in order to possess it. And he reinforces this by telling us a second parable, one very similar to it. Look in verse 45. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, he is reinforcing the exact same truth. His kingdom is like a pearl that is so valuable that this merchant, it was worth giving up all of the other property that he owned in order that he could possess this one perfect pearl. It is worth everything that we have. And we as Christians, we desperately need to see and to discern this truth that Jesus is teaching us. We need to see and believe that like the hidden treasure, that like the pearl of great value, Jesus and his kingdom truly is worth everything that we have. Because living in Jesus' kingdom has always come with great sacrifice. And we see this unfolding very clearly in the Gospel of Matthew as Matthew writes the account of Jesus' life and his ministry leading up to this parable, we see in chapter 9 that people had laughed at Jesus. In Matthew chapter 10, as he sent them out to minister, Jesus told his disciples that they would indeed suffer persecution, that people would hate them because they followed Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 12, some of the powerful leaders of the day actually sought to destroy King Jesus. They wanted to do away with him. And shortly after this passage, in Matthew chapter 16, if you look at that passage later on, Jesus says that to follow him, we must deny ourselves. And we must take up our cross. That means it's going to take sacrifice to live as members of Jesus' kingdom. And, And these things that were true in that day, the truth of sacrifice to follow Jesus has not changed today we still must lay down our lives and take up our cross for our king. And for some of us, that may mean that people are going to laugh at us. It may mean that as we seek to live out the values of the kingdom of heaven, people might laugh at us because those values seem prudish or lame or some other thing. And I know that many of you in this room probably know the pain of what it feels like to be laughed at. And you may be even thinking, you know what, I feel like people are probably going to laugh at me regardless of what I believe. Is Jesus and his kingdom really worth giving them a little bit more ammunition? For others, suffering for our king and his kingdom may mean persevering and living out the values of his kingdom. Like continuing to endure with patience and to pursue with love people who we find exhausting and or intolerable the people who we feel like have pinched our very last nerve and whittled our patience down to a single straining thread. And in those moments, we can begin to wonder, is Jesus and his kingdom really worth this aggravation and this exhaustion? An even more high-stakes question that we may not be wrestling with today, but that we may very well in the future... Could be that, that one day a, a friend or a dear family member or, or maybe even we ourselves may find that the Lord is calling us to serve him in a place where we might not simply face social or emotional ostracism, but where people may actually want to destroy us physically because of who we believe in. These are just a few of the many examples that we could, that we could lay out of the sacrifices of following Jesus but what they all have in common and the ones that we may not have mentioned today what those have in common with these is that all of these can cause us to doubt they can cause us to doubt that Christ and his kingdom is really worth the sacrifice and friends I know I know that many of you have made sacrifices I know that many of you are making sacrifices for Christ and for his kingdom and I know this because I have had the honor and the privilege of of learning more about you and your life and your stories. And I know of how you give your time and your talent and your resources and your emotional energy, and I imagine that many of you probably struggle with doubt sometimes. I imagine that many of you probably wonder whether or not the sacrifice and the suffering are worth it. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that no matter what sacrifice you may be enduring now, whatever sacrifice Christ might call you to in the future, your heart can rest. Your heart can rest because these things, they are not in vain. These things are worth every tear we may cry. They are worth every drop of sweat or blood that we may shed. And I can say that to you because Jesus, the one who suffered, tells us this why do we care what jesus says we care this matters because jesus created all things and as the creator of all things he knows all things he can see reality he can see worth he can see value for what they truly are jesus we are told is truth jesus possesses all the wisdom of god and so when he speaks Whatever words come from his lips, we can believe those words. We can trust his words. And so when Jesus speaks into our pain and suffering and says, I know that this is hard and my kingdom is worth it, we can rest in knowing that that is indeed true. It doesn't make the pain go away, but it is a source of great peace, of great encouragement that what we are suffering is not in vain, that it truly is worth it. And with this peace, we can also know the great joy of the kingdom. Look with me again in verse 44. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. This actually, this passage reminds me of, of one of my very favorite stories uh, from sports history. Maybe one of my favorite stories of, of all time, or, or at least up there with them. Uh, as you know, in this past year, uh, Roanoke hosted a half Ironman race. I imagine many of you heard about this race or, or maybe followed it. You may have even uh, gone down and to watch live the competition or, or maybe even participate in the competition yourselves. But if you know anything about the Ironman triathlon races, you need to know the story of Dick Hoyt and his son, Rick. You see, back in 1977, Mr. Hoyt was approached by his son. His son, Rick, came to him and said, Dad, he was was young at the time, he said, Dad, will you help me finish a five-mile race? Now, what made this request special was that Rick suffered from cerebral palsy. He was confined to a wheelchair. He could not run by himself. And he goes to his father, and and, and Mr. Hoyt, he had never run a race competitively. Wasn't really much into that kind of thing. But he listened to this request from his son. He said, okay, let's do it. And they went, and they trained, and they ran this five-mile race. And do you know what Rick said to his dad at the very end of it? He said, dad, when we're running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. And after that race, he and his son went on to compete in thousands of races. They competed in 32 Boston marathons, and they also completed together six Ironman triathlons. And one of my very favorite parts of the story is, is in a video. You can actually see it online. If you have trouble finding it or you're interested, let me know. I'll send it to you. I love it. But it shows Mr. Hoyt and his son Rick coming through the finish line of one of their Ironman races. And as they cross the finish line, you see Rick is in his chair, and as they come through and people are cheering for him, he's just, he's pumping his arms with joy in the air at the satisfaction of coming through this race. And his dad, Mr. Hoyt, is standing right behind him. Now, in that moment, I can only imagine the pain he must have been feeling physically in his body. Because if you know anything about the Ironman triathlon, he had just swum nearly two and a half miles. Immediately after that, he had gone, he had biked for 112 miles. And then after that, he had run a full marathon of over 26 miles. That is the Ironman event. And he did it all while carrying his son with him. Not to mention the sacrifice that it must have included just preparing for that race. The months and the hours of difficult training. But you know what he was doing in that moment? As his son pumped his arms into the air, Mr. Hoyt was standing right behind him and he had his own fist raised in the air. As he looked down on his son and smiled. As he rejoiced with his son. I don't know what he was feeling in that, in that body of his at that moment, but I think he would have looked at us and said, every single ache in my weary body was worth the price of taking my priceless son through this race. Yes, I am suffering. Yes, it required sacrifice, and it was 100% worth it. And there is much joy that has come with that as well. And friends, that is a picture of the kind of joy that is available to us as members of Christ's kingdom. That is the kind of joy that even in the midst of sacrifice, even if following Jesus were to cost us everything that we have, we can have the same kind of joy because just as Mr. Hoyt looked on his son with joy, we can look with joy on the incredible blessings of belonging to Jesus and being a part of his kingdom. The joy of knowing that just like Rick, our Heavenly Father rejoices over us. That our Father delights in us as the apple of His eye. The joy of knowing that uh, we have been rescued from slavery to sin, rescued from death, and brought into a kingdom where we are shown what true and abundant and full life actually looks like. The joy of knowing that we live this life not in isolation, but we live it with the family of God the family that God has given us through his son, the people that you see around you in this church and among the believers all throughout the world. The joy of knowing the hope that one day all the things that we may suffer for the kingdom will be made no more. This is the joy we can know as we obey and follow Jesus that yes, we will bear our crosses and Jesus can also make it that we brim full of joy. And with the peace and joy that it brings, we can also know the fulfillment of his kingdom. Look with me again in verse 45. Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Did you notice the difference between the two, the two parables, between the, the characters in these stories? And the first one, the man, it's almost like he, he goes out and he's digging along, doing his work, and his shovel bumps into something. And he's like, whoa, did not expect to find that today, but boy, am I glad I did. It's quite surprising to him. But in the second story, the man is actually searching. He knows what he is looking for, he has a very concrete objective in mind. And I wonder maybe you're, you're visiting here today and you would not identify yourself as a Christian, but you do find yourself resonating with this merchant and his search for pearls because maybe, like this merchant, you are also searching. Maybe you are searching for what is truly true in this world. Maybe you are searching for some kind of a religion or a philosophical framework that will help you discern what does a good life actually look like. How can I flourish? How can I help those around me to flourish? Well friends, whatever it is that you may be seeking, Jesus and his kingdom are the fulfillment of your search. You see, we learn in John 10 that Jesus is truth. You want truth? Is that what you're looking for? Look at Jesus. In John chapter 10, Jesus tells us that he came to give us life, but not just any life. He says, I have come to give you abundant, blessed, fulfilled life. Jesus is the fulfillment of your search he holds the truth he holds the answers to the deep and meaningful questions you are asking he is the path that you are seeking and jesus invites you to be a part of his kingdom and that leaves us with the final question that we're going to look at this morning how do we get in we've seen the joy we've seen the fulfillment we've seen the worthiness of christ in his kingdom Who would not want to be a part of something like this? How do we get in? Some of you may be thinking, well, Andrew, (laughs) the answer seems kind of obvious to me. I mean, you have been repeating over and over and over uh, that the kingdom is worth all that we have. We've seen these men give up everything for these treasures, so, so perhaps the answer is that we too need to give up everything in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. And so I want us to, to slow down for just a moment because it would be very easy for us to see all of the joy, to see all the fulfillment, to see all the worth of Christ and his kingdom. It would be possible for us to see those things and still miss the gospel. You see, when Jesus is telling us these things, this this point is so crucial, so if you're not with me right now, please be with me right now. Kids, if you're not paying attention, pay attention. This is one of the most important things that that the scriptures teach us. When Jesus tells us these stories, he is showing us the worth of the kingdom, not the way into the kingdom. Let me say that one more time. When Jesus tells us these stories, he is showing us the worth of his kingdom, not the way into his kingdom. You see, the truth and the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is the one who gives us membership in his kingdom as a gift. Jesus has paid the price of entering his kingdom. He did it by coming and living a perfect life in a very harsh world. And then going and paying the ultimate price by laying down his very life for our sins so that we could belong to him. And so that we could be a part of his kingdom. That is how we enter in. That is the question. That is the answer to the question we are asking. And so if you're visiting today and you don't know Jesus, but you would like to be a part of his kingdom, if anything I have said today is is beautiful and attractive to you, all you have to do is believe in the king. Believe in Jesus and be brought into his kingdom. And I'll close with with some more good news for those of us who are Christians, for those of us who currently do profess faith in Jesus. And that good news is this, Jesus is not only our way into the kingdom, Jesus is also the way that we stay in the kingdom. You see, maybe you're sitting here as a follower of Jesus this morning and you feel like a, a weight maybe continuing to grow upon you, a weight maybe of fear and despair pressing down because you realize that maybe you have not been willing to give up everything for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. Or maybe you've actually compromised Christ and his kingdom because other things were more worthwhile to you. It might have been reputation, it might have been some kind of gain. But whatever it is, maybe you are hearing these things and you feel, you know what, I'm not sure that I deserve to remain in this kingdom because of the things I have done or the things I have failed to do. And so, friend, I want you to hear this loud and clear. There is nothing you can do to get yourself thrown out of the kingdom when you belong to Jesus. You did not earn your right to enter into the kingdom, and there is nothing you do to earn your right to remain in the kingdom. Jesus teaches us that when we believe in him, He holds us in his loving hands, and he says there is nothing, 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 let me say it again, nothing that can snatch you out of his hand. There is no sin you could have confessed this morning during our time of private confession. There is no sin you could commit when you go out this door after the service that would make it where Jesus looks at you and says, give me your membership card, you're out. That will never happen. Because Jesus, when he went to the cross, He bled and died to cover every sin you have ever committed or every sin you ever will commit. And that blood is the price that keeps you in the kingdom. Nothing that you do. But the good news is that while it is good to know we're going to remain there, life in the kingdom is actually beautiful. Giving up everything we have, you may not believe it today, but as the truths get pressed in, it is truly beautiful. It is a life worth living. And Jesus says, I will actually help you live that kind of life. Because the good news of the gospel is he not only pays for our sins, but he also gives us his spirit. The spirit that goes into our hearts and takes all the doubts that we have and slowly begins to transform them. Slowly begins to open our eyes to really recognize what it is we have been given. The glorious riches that we have in Jesus as part of his kingdom. And he begins to give us the resources that we need to actually live it out. You may think... There there are certain things, I could list them for you right now, Andrew, where I'm not sure I could give that up. And you know what? You're right. Your instincts are spot on. You do not have what it takes to give up and make those sacrifices. And neither do I. But Jesus does. And when you belong to Him, He gives you what you need so that day by day, moment by moment, step by step, we slowly become the kinds of people that He's designed for us to be. And we slowly Gain the strength, and are able to walk in the ways he's called us to walk. And when we do fail, when we do backslide, he is there to remind us that he loves us and that he paid the price to keep us by his side and to keep us moving forward with him. So friends, as Jesus is the one who has brought us to himself, he is also the one who is transforming us to be like him. So let's depend on his grace. Let's lean on that grace together. Let's encourage us one another to look to Jesus as our king who has paid the price for all of us let's pray father we thank you that you have given us the gift of seeing things for how they truly are thank you that in the ways that we search for something worthwhile in life you have you have gone far beyond our wildest imaginations and bringing us into your kingdom And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to truly believe your words, that your kingdom is worth it, that you would give us all the strength that we need to follow you and to to even give up everything, if that's what you were to ask, for the sake of your kingdom. And we pray that in the midst of it all, we would know the great joy that is ours in you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.